Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, welcome into another winner's edition of the Five Foot Nothing Podcast. We are now three and zero. Did it look great? It looked better in a lot of ways. It looked better. Uh, didn't look great. Uh, but it needs to look great because we got Wisconsin on the docket this upcoming week, which I will be previewing probably tomorrow night. I'm going to give uh, Wisconsin a little bit more time because it is our biggest game to date. But we do need to go over this Purdue game. And there's a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, you know, I put it simply in a tweet how the game looked. Defense was great. Kyle Hamilton's good at football. Cone was inaccurate. We dropped some passes. TB12 looks pretty good. We need to see if he can throw the ball, not just run it. We left points on the field, and we're 3-0. That's kind of how the game went, right? But I can't just do it that simply. i got to dive into this whole thing. We're going to talk about offense, defense, special teams. They're going to get a little bit of love here today. But I do need to start with the obvious and we're going to get this thing going. You know the deal. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Now, the first place to start is obvious. Purdue had a drum, I think. I heard about it. It was it was mentioned somewhat briefly, I think. Um, <laughs> this whole drum thing, man. Wow, wow, wow. I can't believe it got to where it got to. But I love Mike Tirico. Oh, man. It, I, I know some of you might have been at the game or you know, however you watched it. You might have skipped over parts if you're watching a replay. Like some people got married this weekend. Congratulations, Steve, if you're listening to this. But um, Tirico had two dynamite comments, and it had me rolling. They come back from commercial break one time. And Tariko goes, let's check in on the drum. Yep, still there. All right, back to regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> that was it. It was it was the it was the best ten seconds of the whole whole freaking game, man. Um, and then at the end, when <laughs> when they were packing up their sad drum and covering it with the the sheet, he said, "Oh, it looks like the drum's heading out. Uh, if you guys see it on the highway, you know." Make sure you say hi to the drum. So, I, man, Tariko is the bomb. He killed it. I loved it. But I needed just, I need a little more input on the drum. So I reached out to a friend of mine. 
I want to see if uh, he had any comments. Um, I don't know if you guys know uh, who it is. Is uh, buddy of mine, uh, Todd Rundgren. He had a, he had a few comments to make. Those were his thoughts on it. Because we banged on that drum all day. Defensively. I wish the game was a bigger win. So we can just play the life out of that little jingle. And <laughs> we can take the drum and shove it. Oh, man. Hey, two weeks in a row, I'm telling them we're shoving things. Peacock, go shove it. Purdue, take your drum and shove it. It's pretty impressive. The biggest thing in their history is a drum. I did like I did like how they took the time to display all their national championships in football on the side of the drum. That was pretty clever of of them. It took no time because there are none. So there's that. But all right, enough drum, enough drumming. Let's get to football. All right, so I'm gonna start with the offense. There's so many things that were frustrating about this game against Purdue offensively. There, there were definitely things I liked. There were a lot of things I didn't like. You know, um, you just look at the statistics and some things seem good and they're really not. Some things seem bad and they're not as bad. You know, we had 343 yards of offense, which is only 5.2 yards per play. That's not great. That number needs to be higher. But there were some things that played into why that number wasn't bigger than it was. You know, look at Jack Cohn. He was 15 of 31 for 223 yards and two touchdowns. That's that's not special. You know, that was, those were the kind of games we rip book for, you know. Uh, but he had his legs to make up for it, which Cohn does not. And we will get into that, most definitely. But 15 of 31, 223, two touchdowns. Not great. But it's misleading because there were I, – I wrote down. I, I was keeping notes throughout the game. I counted four drops by Austin, which is why he ultimately got benched and didn't play the rest of the game. He put donuts on the scoreboard. Uh, or in this – not even forget the scoreboard, the stat sheet. He put donuts. And he should have had seven, probably twice. You know, uh, he dropped one. Uh, did, Cone did overthrow him on one that he was open on. Um, and then the Buckner swing pass, uh, yeah, was it perfect? Eh. But Austin's got to catch that, with his, just catch it and go, and he was gone. That would have been like a 90-yard touchdown pass. But, you know, so that's Cone. And then the obvious one is Lindsey. My gosh. I, the Sun or whatever, I don't know. But you got to make that catch. You, just, you have to. So right there, that's five. So that puts Cone at 20 of 31. That's better. It's not. He's a uh, career, like a 70% completion passer. So, you know, 20 of 31 is not quite that neighborhood, <laughs> but it's it's better than 15 of 31, I'll tell you that. And the, then the 223, if you get all of those completions. It he's he's a three hundred yard passer for the day, 
and it doesn't feel like it did. So, but at the same time, Cone was oddly inaccurate. Um, there were just some th- missed throws that you feel like. I know we've only seen him for three games now, but um, historically, if you look back when he was at Wisconsin, he's just that's not typical of him. That was weird. Um, then you look at Kyron. He was 12 carries, 91 yards. Well, that seems awesome. Eh, he had a 51 yarder in there, and he did a lot of the work. I, I was seeing it live. It looked like he did all the work. Then you know there was some. Uh, tweets that highlighted the play specifically turns out the o-line did do a pretty good job and he obviously Kyron broke some tackles and everything else but yes he, he got through the line to the second level with the line's help it wasn't all him but still 12 for 91 not it's very very misleading because really if you take out the 51 yard run he's 11 of 40 and that's not what we're looking for you know, I mean, it's not horrible, but it it's just the number is inflated, you know. And the only guy that stepped up offensively that we couldn't be more proud of is Avery Davis. Five for 120 and a touch. I mean, that's awesome. That's what we needed. We needed that because Mayer was eliminated. Michael Mayer got one catch for five yards, and the one catch he almost got killed because Cone was inaccurate and led him. If Cone was accurate on the ball, Mayer doesn't get hurt, but he wasn't very accurate. Mayer had to like reach out one-handed, got rib-caged, but he's okay. Uh, but he only got one catch because Purdue made a point to take him out. Okay, fine. Take what they give you. They eliminated Mayer. Other guys have to step up. Lindsey, you got to catch that ball. Austin, you got to catch those four balls. You know, we, we ha- that's the thing. We've got the guys to make up for a team taking out our best player. Or even if they try to take out Austin, obviously you got Mayer. And Lindsey needs to step up. Davis did. You know, Kyron is valuable in the passing game. Our first touchdown was on uh, Kyron Williams. Uh, pass, which came on fourth down because we had to go for it on fourth down because we're we were struggling against Purdue to start. You know, um, our first three drives were not fantastic. If you're watching the game, it was uh, what was it? I think first play of the game was sack. Where are we at? I know I jotted it down. Yeah, sack, false start, terrible third down play, punt. Second drive, Austin, big drop, punt. Third drive, <laughs> third drive. I think it was it had to happen on third down. That's why I wrote it down. We did a read option with Jack Cohn. And I got a problem with that. Because I wrote in my notes after I, I pointed out that read option, then I put Cone running the option is not an option. And there were three different times where I notated that in the third drive of the game, in the second quarter, and then again in the fourth quarter. Why are we still trying to run a play that is doomed to fail? Because you don't have to worry about number 17 when you when you do that. He is Ill- completely out of the... He is not keeping that football. He is not keeping it. So don't even look at him. He's, it's a waste. It's a wasted motion. And speaking of wasted things, empty sets, what are we doing? 
I mean, it, if we got some fancy play, quick trigger, cool. But if you're just trying to run a, a five-receiver route and leaving Cone sitting back there on an empty set, he's a sitting duck. If I'm a DN, I'm just sitting there, oh, oh all right. And I just got to go. You're, you're like a bull. You're ready to go. Our O-line is not good right now. Blocking, still bad. Cone can't move. So let's leave him back there like a sitting duck where the DNs just got to go balls to the wall. There were multiple occasions where there was a little bit of a lane that last year Book would have taken off for. I think Buckner would have too. And Cone just standing there and takes a sec. That's it. Takes a sec. He's getting pressured on like 40% of his passes. Um, and that's does he hold on to the ball a little bit longer? Yes, that can be a pro. It gives receivers a chance to get open, but the, the con is, and the negative is that we don't have the blocking for him to be holding the ball. He's done. He's done for. So, But then he does do great things, like the touchdown pass to Williams. That was such a tight window. Holy crap. He could. That was a very, very tight window. You know, and he can throw a deep ball. And, you know, I know we missed on some of them, but then he hit Davis. We got a couple pass interference penalties. Taking deep shots works, and it can be good. It adds up, so keep doing it. But there's certain things I don't – it's like we're, we're shooting our own selves in the foot. We're setting our own selves up for failure by running a read option with Cone, who can't do it, and then leaving him back there in an empty set, knowing full well, well, that's a pass, and he ain't running anywhere. It's just you're – you're making it too easy for defenses. I don't get it. But then Buckner comes in, and and I know he ended up hurting his hamstring into the second quarter. But before that point, he came in. He was making some things happen. In fact, the the first play, he <laughs> he covered more yards and broke more tackles than Cone has all season, and he only gained four yards. But he ran like forty five yards worth of running to get that four yards. But he broke a few tackles. Then the 20-yard play that apparently uh, hurt himself. He it was a third and 15. He got 20 yards. Broke a couple tackles. And I didn't know he hurt his hamstring, but the sequence of events live made zero sense. Cone, or uh, Buckner breaks off this huge run, gets a first down, bringing Cone, sack. And it's it sucked because... Cone got sacked on a play that Buckner would have escaped from and got something done with his legs. It's very weird. And it's just too many instances we're shooting ourselves in our own foot. I don't understand it. It's we're we're pissing on our own fire. We're putting out our it's it doesn't make any sense. Like and obviously the hamstring is is a concern. So okay. But that was with like two minutes, two fifty to go in the second quarter. What about the entire first quarter and most of the second quarter? Can't Buckner have a whole series to himself? I I don't get it. I don't understand it. And again, if you got two quarterbacks, you got no. I I understand all that, but the fact of the matter is, Cone does provide value, but so does Buckner because as long as his offensive line is struggling like they are, we need the opportunity to make something happen. Buckner opens up the run game, and we have really good running backs, Kyron Williams and Tyree. The problem with Chris Tyree is he's not Kyron Williams in the sense of 
He's not ripping through tackles like that. He's a smaller guy. He's fast. He's best guy on our team. He's built for speed. Well, guess what? If he's all mashed up and crunched up, getting hit before the line of scrimmage, his speed really doesn't matter. It's irrelevant at that point. And our backs are getting hit at or before the line of scrimmage on 50-something percent of their runs. That's a terrible number. You know, going back to the Florida State game when Kyron Williams had 42 yards, 40 of them came after contact. That's insane. It's It's got to get better. So, uh, you know, looking ahead to Wisconsin, we've got to figure it out. We Wisconsin is going to bring it, especially at the D-line. They don't have the best secondary. I think our skill players... Lindsey and Austin and Mayer, Williams, Tyree, we are we have more skills than their defensive backs. Okay, we need to take advantage of that and not go read option with Cone, empty sets with Cone. You know, we we do need to give the defense trouble, give them something to think about. Like I said, when you're running a read option with Cone, you're you gave the defense nothing to think about. Just go tackle the guy who's about to get the football because Cone ain't keeping it. And then when you leave an empty set, you're making it too easy. Well, there's no threat of the run whatsoever. Go balls to the wall. Go get Cone. That's it. it it's got to get better. There, there's no alternative. So, offensively, we left points on the board with drops. We missed a field goal. That's special teams. But there were just some things we could have done a lot better and put a lot more points on the board against this Purdue team. But we didn't need that many points because our defense came to play. There were very few. I I tried to kind of say make notes. Like, what can the defense work on? What What's the issues? Um, I'm still not a fan of the 3-3-5. I... We we get the pressure with four. Our our four down linemen are good. Just bring it. Just bring those four. They give the opposing team fits. They are going to give Graham Mertz fits. And like I said, we're going to preview that. But heads up, Graham Mertz, not that great. Ever since his five touchdown near perfect game against Illinois to start last season, Graham Mertz, not great. And, and we'll, we'll get into that. I'm not going to spend too much time on Wisconsin. I'm not going to spend a ton of time doing this review either um, because it was a, it was a really weird there wasn't a lot of stuff to really nitpick other than what I just did offensively. Um, it was just play calling in my opinion and maybe that's that's on Tommy Reese I believe you know he's got to figure something out he's got to know he's what he's got with his quarterback or quarterbacks and use them in the right way. But, you know, jump back to the defense. D-line, unbelievable, stellar. So many stuffs. Uh, you know, MTA, he's a freaking animal. He's making plays. You got Bertrand just making all kinds of tackles. Bosky all over the place. But Kyle Hamilton, my goodness gracious, that guy's good at football. Like, he's good at football. That fourth down play, that was that was crazy. He came from, you know, deep safety on fourth and one, and that was it. Game over. You know, it, 
the, the guy just flies all over the field, makes all the plays. Uh, yeah, game ceiling interception. Almost had a pick six on the I think their first play. I think Purdue's first play of the game. He tipped the ball. If he he was kind of off balance, but if he had his footing, I think that's a pick six. You know, but it, Purdue couldn't run the ball because our D line is freaking awesome. They ran for 57 yards and two yards a carry. Like, you can't ask for much more than that. It's still a Big Ten Power 5 school. And you know Wisconsin, like I said, Mertz is not that good. Wisconsin's going to be banking on their ability to run the ball. And kind of hoping they do. Because I think we've got the dudes up front defensively to stop their run. And... The way our offense is playing, uh, I'm okay with playing a shorter game. And running the ball makes a shorter game. I'm okay with that because I'm not ready for our team to be in a shootout. And Wisconsin doesn't scream shootout. Never has, never will. So, you know, but our D-line just shut down Purdue. They gave their quarterback fits. How many sacks do we have as a team? Uh, We had three sacks, but... Five tackles for loss, uh, eight QB hurries. They, they, they had no time. And that's why they bring in uh, O'Connell, who comes in and promptly throws two picks. So there's that. Uh, but D line was great, uh, and that's our strength. I've been saying it all season, preseason. I've been saying it for since I started this podcast in January. Our D line is going to be our strength, and it still is. Uh. The thing I don't understand, this is my knock on the defense, and it's this is on Marcus Freeman. Uh, where are second-half adjustments uh, every week? I don't get it. Maybe we, were, maybe we were spoiled. Maybe we were spoiled with Clark Lee, who was the king of second-half adjustments. Whatever you were doing in the first half was not going to continue to work in the second half. Plain and simple. And if we dominated you in the first half, I don't feel good about your chance in the second half. That simple. I mean, look at go back to the North Carolina game last year. They had Sam Howell and two NFL wide receivers and two NFL running backs. And North Carolina started off hot. And then halfway through the second quarter, or beginning of the second quarter, they stopped being able to do stuff and never did stuff again. That was it. Clark Lee was done with them. Yesterday, or yesterday, it was Tuesday, it was three days ago, it was Saturday, Purdue had 97 total yards of offense at the half. 97. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is, we should be winning by so much more. And I just figured we were going to come out and just run away with the game. Being up 10 to 3 at the half was, was weird. It should have been so much more. And I'm sitting here going, shoot, the final is going to be something like, you know, 31 to 6. It's going to be great. And then it wasn't because Purdue got 251 yards in their second half. Now, we kept the points off the board, so that's nice, but it's Purdue. And if if we're not ma- if we're not able to make those second half adjustments against Purdue, what is a Wisconsin going to do? Or Cincinnati, or USC, or the previously mentioned North Carolina, still not convinced they're going to do anything. Um... I keep skipping Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's in the middle of all that. But 
these better teams who aren't Purdue, they're going to capitalize on our inability, it seems, to make second-half adjustments. we got to figure it out and just stop with the three-down lineman crap. That's how we let teams back in the game. It makes no sense. I, I don't understand it. The other thing is our DBs don't look for the football. They never have. I, I feel like it's it's got to be coached at this point. That's the only thing I can think of. It has to be coached. They just don't look for the damn ball, and it just gets caught right in front of them. And, you know, uh, and Cam Hart, if you're going to interfere, if you're going to go all-out pass interference, don't let the guy catch the ball. How about that? Don't, like, put your hands up like, oh, I didn't touch him when you obviously interfered with him, and then you just let him catch it. That was a weird decision. Not sure I understood that one. And uh, and Kyle Hamilton, uh, dude, great hit on Bell. I I hope Bell's okay. It looks like he is. I know he's under concussion protocol. I'm glad he's okay. That was a clean hit. That was just a tough tough hit. But I did appreciate ESPN, um, and uh, some people pointed this out on Twitter. Uh, our our buddy always Irish, you know, he pointed out on his Twitter. It was on the bottom line of ESPN. The the quote, the words they used describing Bell's injury was, he was hurt when driven face first into the ground by an ND player. You made you made it sound like a wrestling move. You made it sound like. It was the dirtiest hit you've ever seen. By the way, it was very, very clean. It was just a hit in the middle of the back. And there was no flag whatsoever on the penal- on the play. Um, he just didn't embrace his own fall. And yeah, did go face first in the ground. And you know what? I can relate. I got a concussion in high school. I jumped up for a pass. Got hit like right below the waist. I got my thighs. And kind of got flipped into the ground and I went forehead first into the ground. Got a concussion. Does that mean it was a dirty hit or anything like that? No. It's football. But I did enjoy it. Driven face first into the ground by an ND player. And then Houston Griffith from the free safety position came over and did a clothesline suplex from the top rope. It was a tag team situation. It was really insane. You really should have been there for it. Are you fucking kidding me? Just quit with... I don't get it. I don't get the Driven face first into the ground by an ND player. No, no, he got hit from behind and didn't brace his own fall and landed on it. Yes, he landed on his face, but it was no driving. It's just, yeah, make it sound worse than it is, right? Anything for views and clicks and whatever. Yeah, like, you know, you got articles, uh, Notre Dame, I forget the how they phrased it, but basically, Notre Dame. Just uh, playing to save their season. Um, we're 3-0. Has it looked great? No, it has not. But 3-0 is the best you can possibly do. Just throwing it out there. You can't do any better than 3-0 for us right now. So I don't know why that we're struggling to save our season. Oh, no. But we're 3-0. It makes no sense. But that gets clicks. Cause, but Notre Dame's irrelevant, guys. Don't forget, Notre Dame is irrelevant. Nobody cares about us. That's why we got uh, game day and the big noon Fox situation 
both going to the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. Huh. But Notre, who cares about Notre Dame? There's just nobody. Nobody's school. They're irrelevant. They suck. You know, overrated. We've heard it all, right? We've heard it all, guys. And it's just not true. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to end with that topic. I'll, I'm going to come back to what I'm about to say. I'm going to come back to that. But I know we'll talk about how game day and Fox and all that. We That will be part of the Wisconsin preview tomorrow night. But our defense looked really good except for the adjustments. And these, I hope, I just hope Freeman's trying to figure it out. I just hope that's what it is. I hope that he's just trying to see how everybody, like, it's gotten progressively better. Let's let's call it what it is. It's gotten progressively better. We didn't give up a big play. We are tackling a lot better. Just some little things, right? Just some little things that we need to fix and get better with. So, I, I feel a lot better about defense, like I, I said from the get when I asked after game one, what's the bigger story, Cohen or the defense? I didn't think the defense was the bigger story because I felt like that can be corrected. And sure enough, Cohen is the bigger story because he needs to do what he did against Florida State, and he's just he's not. Some of that has to do with the offensive line. Yes, it's not all on Cohen, but ultimately we have someone who can kind of alleviate and deflect some of that deficiency on the offensive line in Tyler Buckner. We just need to see more of him. I mean, that's that's just fact. We need to see more of Buckner, assuming his hamstring is good and he's healthy. We need to see more of him. Give him a whole drive. Because I do think, while Wisconsin's defense is probably tough and strong, I think our offensive guys are faster. You put Buck, Buckner out there, that's a whole new element. And I love it. So, you know, we'll see. So, offense still has some concerns. A lot to do with play calling. And then just physical stuff. Don't drop passes. We have the weapons. They cover up one of them. Others should open up. And we got to make make the play. Capitalize. It's that simple. Defense, getting better and better and better. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. Just got to make second half adjustments. That's it. It's, uh, you know, hashtag Freeman Factor. Let's hashtag make adjustments. The proper ones. And then the last thing I want to talk about is punt returns. They're back. So back. I, I was shocked. I was shocked. And I heard uh, a podcast talk about They were at the game. The, like, the buzz in the, in the stadium when Kyron Williams returned a punt. Oh my, I, fair catch you, maybe no more. I don't know. We'll see. But it did. I did find it. the first return uh, it got called back for holding. So maybe that's why we don't return punts. But the second one, that was successful. In fact, Williams caught the punt, returned it. I don't even, I think it was like 13 or 14 yards. Very next play, 51-yard touchdown. All Kyron Williams all the time. <laughs> but my favorite part of the punt return so after the fi- first punt return of the season, which, by the way, there's been many, many opportunities. I don't know the exact number, but at, at least 10 through three games to return a punt, and we haven't done it at all. We don't even return kickoffs. But Kyron, Kyron finally returns a punt, and then boom, right down to Catherine Tappen, who has a whole segment, like a minute, minute and a half long, how much Kyron loves to return punts. He's... He just, it's, so, it's fun, it's this, it's that. 
And I'm just sitting there laughing like, how long has she been hanging on to that story? She was probably begging for a punt return as much as we were. Just please, I I have this story. Oh, fair catch again. God damn. She had to be like itching, like, please, please, please return this one just so I can get this story out and be done with it. Okay, not this time. And then finally does it. She was probably, she was running down the sidelines too. I'm like, get the camera on me. I get, I get to talk about the play. Yeah. I just imagine that's how it went through her brain because she had to have been holding on to that story for weeks, weeks, if not a, like a month plus. So that was kind of funny to me. But let's see it. Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it going. Return punts. It's amazing what can happen. And a game like we're about to face against Wisconsin, every yard is going to matter. The game is going to get shorter. Running the ball will shorten the game, and that's what Wisconsin wants to do. We have to take any opportunity we are given to make a positive play. And the return game is part of that. Please. Please try to do something. And we got a glimpse of it. Keep it going. Keep it going. That's it. Games like this can flip with a solid punt return. Or kick return, Tyree. Get out there. So, that was... I was was in heaven. As a punt returner myself, and being uh, the biggest fan... Maybe not the biggest. I, I know some people that might rival me in terms of their fandom of the Rocket... But growing up with the Rocket, loving what he does, the excitement of a kick return, finally got to see it. Ah, yes. So, there's some things we can work on going into Wisconsin. I've discussed them, offense, defense. Uh, special teams, we just got to make the field goals. Uh, Bramlett, great job punting. and We had several punts, and he killed it. He did a great job. And that's going to be huge, too. That's going to be a big part of the game. Dora's got to bring it. I'm sure he's going to get field goal opportunities. Bramlett, if our offense runs a read option on third down with Cone, we're probably punting. You better be ready to go. <laughs> it's that simple. So, that's where I'm at with the Purdue game. It, it should have been a bigger win. I It was a bigger point margin than I thought. But I didn't know how the game was going to go. Defense showed up. I was just a little disappointed in the offense, and some of it's not on Cone or the play calling. we got to catch footballs. It's that simple. I mean, there's no two ways about it. But um, I do feel better going into Wisconsin than I did, certainly, after Toledo. So, you know, Notre Dame, do they look great? I keep saying this. Do they look great? No. But there's things we can work on. We're still 3-0. There's things we, we can do to get better. And all I care about is who are we playing next and what do they look like? What have they done? What have they accomplished? Because that's all that matters. And this is what I saved for the end. I am tired of seeing people use Ohio State and Oklahoma and A&M. And whoever the hell else, uh, I'm trying to think who's been having problems. Just using their, let me go through here. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati had a little bit of a struggle. Uh, Clemson. 
I don't care what they've done. That does not change anything for Notre Dame. Who cares that Clemson almost lost to Georgia Tech? Who cares that OU struggled with Nebraska? Who, like, and for, for, because it matters for rankings. Bullshit it does, because these rankings don't fucking matter. When the playoff, playoff committee decides what the teams are ranked, then it matters. AP, who cares? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It matters if we have to play the team that was struggling, but we don't play Clemson. We don't play Ohio State. We don't play A&M. We don't play OU. We do play Cincinnati. You know, but, like, it just... Some of these games that are... Yeah, it's cool to talk about from a overall college football perspective. Like, yeah, a lot of teams are struggling. Notre Dame included. But their struggles and deficiencies don't justify ours. We still got to fix our shit. Who cares what they're doing? I don't care. It, it, not, we're not all going to get on the struggle bus together. And all right, we're all the, now we're all struggling together and it's okay. Look, nobody's doing good. It's all fine. No, it's it's who cares? Let AM struggle and OU and whoever, Clemson. Notre Dame needs to fix their shit. And that's all that matters. And who we play next. And who we play after that game. So right now, all we need to care about is what is Wisconsin doing? And we're going to discuss that tomorrow night. I'm going to come back. And, well, you're going to hear this uh, Wednesday morning. So you probably hear the Wisconsin preview Thursday morning. But that's where we're at. Like, I don't care about all these other team struggles. But I can say that some of the reason this is happening is because of COVID. You may not even realize it, you know, but a lot of kids that got extra year of eligibility that shouldn't have otherwise had it, that aren't maybe quite NFL material, or maybe they're, they were fringe NFL and they want to come back for another year where they shouldn't even still be in school. But I completely understand what happened with the whole COVID situation, so I'm fine with it. But that's why you're seeing some of these teams compete with other teams, because the better teams, like Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State, I think even Clemson, uh, but I know Al- Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State were in the bottom like twenty, and Notre Dame and Alabama were in, like the bottom five, I think, in returning production. Because when you get that good, you tend to recruit guys that are NFL talent, and when they're good enough to go to the NFL, they go to the NFL, and then you have to replace it with. Ideally, more NFL talent. But sometimes that takes a minute to figure out. But if you get a team, like, I, I'm just, I, I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but if you get a team that, Cincinnati, I guess, it'd be a good example. Or Iowa, you know, that doesn't have all the NFL talent in the world. Iowa does do, do a pretty good job, so maybe I shouldn't pick on them, but... What I'm trying to get at is these teams that brought back more guys than they otherwise would have are making games tougher for teams that you would expect to be better and, and dominate a little bit more. So that that's kind of why you're seeing that. But regardless of what you're seeing, pointing the finger doesn't do anything. You're just deflecting and like, who cares? 
you can, let's fix what we need to fix. You know, I know we're uh, everyone listening. Uh, you're not on the team. I'm not on the team. But <laughs> let's fix. Let's control what we can control. I don't care what everybody else is doing. You know, so I just wanted to close with that because I've seen it too much. And I've seen it too much. But thank you for tuning in. We beat the drum. That was enjoyable. And I guess Notre Dame owns the drum now. Do we get to keep it? That's how that should have went. I think we should have got to keep the drum. That would have been fair. Fair swap. No, we got a shillelagh instead. But, all right, guys, that's all I got. Thank you all for listening. Catch me on Twitter at 5FootNothingPod. Email me, 5FootNothingPod at gmail.com. Like, share, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. I appreciate it. You know, I want, I want to expand my listeners. And I'm going to say it now, and I will be reminding you guys again tomorrow. I really, really will be on Chopping Beef this Thursday. Last Thursday, it didn't happen. It, you know, doesn't matter. But this, this Thursday, it'll be live on Facebook, live on YouTube. Chopping Beef. I'll, I'm going to be posting about it because it's a fun little thing. It's a, it's a fun escape from the seriousness that is Notre Dame football for us. And we will, Notre Dame will be brought up because I'm going to be on their show. But it's, it's fun. It's, it's just a, a couple of dudes, or a few dudes, there's four of us, uh, I guess, will be on the show. Just hanging out, shooting the shit, having a good time, talking college football and whatever else comes up. So, uh, you know, go check that out too. Um, I appreciate it. We're all, we're all friends here. You know, to help each other out, get some more listeners and all that kind of good stuff. So, thank you. Go Irish. Until tomorrow. Five foot nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.